Today on Abounding Grace. In light of the unchanging nature of Jesus, in light of his reliability, in light of his faithfulness, in light of his care and concern for your life, in light of no matter what you're facing today, Jesus remains as trustworthy today as he has always been. He is yesterday, today, and forever unchanging. This is amazing grace. In a world that seems so unstable right now, is it really possible to have stability in life? Absolutely. And it's found in the grace of God. That rises to the surface in our study of Hebrews today. Welcome back to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today, we come back to chapter 13. Here's Ed with part one of Grace Brings Stability to Your Life. Open your Bibles, would you, to Hebrews chapter 13. As we'll draw your attention to verse 8 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Grace Brings Stability to Your Life. Grace Brings Stability to Your Life. And in our previous studies, we've learned how to love and to serve our spiritual leaders. The ones that God has placed in our life, the pastors, the overseers, the leaders, men and women that God has specifically chosen not only to place in our lives, but also to place over our lives. Remember, we learned in verse 7, we're to remember those who rule over you, that have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Then we jump down to verse 17, and we learned, obey those that rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then finally, we looked at verse 24. Greet all those who rule over you, and all the saints and those from Italy greet you. Then we spent some time in the book of Thessalonians, learning what it was a different facet of the joy that we derive as we learn to support our pastors and leaders. We learned about Moses and Aaron and Hur and Joshua as each person did their part. Holding up the arms of Moses, there was victory, which is all that really what we want together. We want to lock shields and experience the victory that's ours by faith. We don't want to fight one another. We don't want to go at each other. We want to remember that we're on the same team. Now we're going to come back to from that season of Bible study to these little exhortations and encouragements that Paul, I believe the author of Hebrews, is giving to the Hebrew believers. Remember, you're looking at an audience of believers that have left their old covenant, they left Judaism because they've embraced their Savior, their Messiah. But the temple is still standing, and the worship is still ongoing, and the sacrifice are still being offered. And the smoke and the incense and all the ritual and religion is there still among them. And they're weighing the reality of their lives, what they've lost compared to what they're feeling, compared to the choices that are before them. 
And that's what the whole book is about. After laying all of these foundational teachings, and I, and I think, remember, the, the theme of Hebrews is the theme for you and the theme for me. No matter what we're facing or what we're going through, Jesus Christ is superior to anything and everything that you may turn to. He is greater than the law. He's greater than the sacrifices. He's greater than the festivals. He fulfills them all, and he is sufficient. He is sufficient for you to trust your life with. Which leads us to verse 8 now. Notice, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, when you're under spiritual attack, when you're thinking about giving up, when you want to go backwards, when our minds are filled with all kinds of confusion and difficulty, our minds can also be filled with unbiblical thoughts about Jesus. We will begin to misunderstand or misrepresent the true character and nature of Jesus Christ. It, it works like this. I've changed my life. Circumstances in my life have changed. Uh, my pain threshold might have changed. I'm going through this. I've changed my mind about life. Therefore, Jesus must have changed his mind about me. And you begin to think that maybe Jesus has abandoned you, turned his back upon you. We often refer to this as being mad at God because of the circumstances of our lives. But the Bible declares to us that Jesus Christ is the same. He's unchangeable. He's the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be forever. You can trust him. You can build your life upon him. He is unchanging. It is impossible for Jesus to change. He will never change. He alone is the solid rock upon which your life and mine is built. And especially in a time like now where our culture is shifting, you're living during a season of one of the most radical culture shifts that we've seen. Now remember when culture shifts, it's just from one sin to another. It's just from one evil to another evil. It's just from one sin to a greater sin or to a greater evil where there's darkness and then culture shifts to a greater darkness. But God has reserved for us in a dark culture the light of the gospel living through his church. What did Jesus say? He said to you, he said to me, you are the salt and the light. You and I, we're light in a dark place. And as you live in this culture shift, as you experience some of the most devastating, difficult things that anyone has ever experienced in the world, you know that Jesus Christ, he is unchanged by all of this. He remains the same. You did not make a mistake when you repented of your sins and dedicated your entirety of your life to following Jesus. He hasn't changed. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. Don't be distracted by the things surrounding you, thinking now somehow Jesus is unstable. You might be unstable. Jesus is not unstable. He's reliable. Notice in verse 9. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that your heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. 
So these are a couple of verses that have an easy part to them and a difficult part to them. Let's deal with the easy part first. In light of the unchanging nature of Jesus, in light of his reliability, in light of his faithfulness, in light of his care and concern for your life, in light of no matter what you're facing today, Jesus remains as trustworthy today as he has always been. He is yesterday, today, and forever unchanging. Be careful that you're not carried about with various and strange teachings. That's what the word doctrine means. You can circle doctrine and just put neat teachings. And oh, are there many, many various and strange teachings today. And here's how it works. When you're wrestling and when you're battling and when you're going through things, you become vulnerable. You're in a weakened state. You're in a place of great vulnerability. And the way that you stay away from and the way that you're not carried about by various strange teachings and doctrines is that you stay away from various and strange teachers because doctrines come from teachers. And you want to be very careful not to present yourself to strange teachers who teach you strange things in a time of vulnerability in your life. Because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for stability. You're looking for an answer. You, you pull up the laptop, you put out Google, and you go, what's going on in the world today? Well, with just that simple question, you're going to have a lot of people that want to tell you what's going on in the world today and want to give to you a perspective that may not reflect the unchanging nature of Jesus Christ. They may use part of the truth. Hey, the world's going crazy, out of control. That's true. But then how they apply that to your life is very instructive and very important. You're to stay away from it. Why? He says, for it is good that your heart be established by grace. That the stability of your life would come by the grace of God. The stability of your rock-solid faith that is built upon the unchanging Christ, you're careful not to be listening to those teachings that would undermine your faith. Paul would put it this way to the Ephesian believers in chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we might grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Being careful not to be carried about with all these winds of doctrine that are really just a, an invention of the trickery of the cunning of men and women that want to take advantage of us in tough times. It is good, Paul says, that your hearts be established by grace. And he uses the word heart on purpose here, I believe. Most of the time in the Bible when the heart is referenced, it's not referencing the muscle that's pumping in your chest right now. It's representing the very seat of your emotional experience, how you relate to life, how you feel life, the, the very sense of what brings you calm and assurance 
to the very sense of what freaks you out and makes you and me so anxious and worried. He says it's good that the substance and stability of your life comes from the grace of God. Not just in knowing the grace of God, but in receiving the grace of God and living in the grace of God. And then notice what he contrasts it with. He contrasts for this audience, he contrasts that that your heart would be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Now, he's not speaking about what what you eat for lunch or the, the type of food you might be preparing for dinner. No, he's talking about a form of legalism is what we would use today. That in your relationship with God, it's not what you eat that matters. Jesus said, you know, you just eat and what comes into your mouth just gets processed and sent right back out. Instead, it's how you eat. You make a dietary decision for your own health. That's not what he's referring to here. What he's referring to here is that people would come upon your life in a time of vulnerability and say, you're not doing Christianity right. You're not doing it right. You're eating the wrong things. You're doing the wrong things. And here are the lists of rules and regulations for you to follow in order for you to be a good Christian. Here, it's not suggestions on how to live your life in Christ, but rather it's commandments of men that would cause you to be unstable because you could never, ever keep a long list of rules and regulations. Nobody's life is established by following a list. Nobody. Because when failure comes, you're immediately unstable, but rather all of us are established by the grace of God. If you like to write in your Bible, circle that word established. In the original language, it means to be sure, to be fixed, to be firm. And it speaks of a reliability that leads to security. That's what grace will do in your life. When you understand and recognize day by day the sufficiency of God's grace in your life, what it does is it takes you back to thinking, what exactly do you deserve you know, there's a lot of speed. We, we live in a culture today, especially in, in our culture, we live in a culture and a society that has trained us to demand our rights. Fight for your rights. You might even hear that. Fight for your rights. Demand your rights. Really? Is that what you really, do you really want what you deserve? I want what I deserve. Don't, if anybody asks for that, give us a minute to get 10 feet away from you and just back up. Do you really want what you deserve? Do you remember when you lived in a condition of your life when in any moment you could have got what you deserve? I, for one, am happy I am not receiving what I deserve. Instead, I receive the grace of God, that God has exchanged his life for mine, that he has forgiven my sins, he has taken them, and he has removed them from me as far as the east is from the west. That even when people want to remind me of them, even when the enemy wants to condemn me over my past, the Holy Spirit will remind me, no, no, Ed, those sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because of your good works, Ed. Not because you're even any better of a person than you were before you were saved. But because of my finished work in your life. That's what a stab. That's how I, I'm confident. That's how I can stand here confident here before you right now. How I can speak to you on the radio, I can speak to you online, not because of my own good works and my own good deeds. I wouldn't have the authority to sit, stand here if it was dependent upon my perfect life. I live an imperfect life, but I serve a perfect God. And my heart is established because of his faithfulness in my life. My heart is established. It's sure. It's firm. It's fixed. 
I think of that word fixed or the idea of staying put. It reminds me of the teaching of Jesus, remember, in John chapter 15, when he spoke about standing firm and staying put. Remember what he said? He talked about us abiding in him and he abiding in us. Where we're not running to and fro looking for satisfaction here, looking for happiness there, but rather our satisfaction, our joy, our happiness, our contentment comes as we stay put in Jesus, as we stay put in this newfound relationship with him. So to the Hebrew believers and to us now, Paul is saying, you made the right choice. Some of you still need to make that choice. Some of you need to still come clean with the sin that has separated you from God. In a few moments, I'll give you that opportunity to repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were to choose to do that in responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it is a response, by the way. No one comes to the Father unless they're drawn by the Holy Spirit. And if God has been drawing you and drawing you and drawing you, now you have the opportunity to go, you know, this is my life. And I am ready to turn away from my past. It will be immediately that God will establish your heart by grace, not by works. Holiness is never produced by the law. It's always produced by the grace of God. False teachings will bring instability in your life. It will cause you to say things and think things that you would have never, other, never ever otherwise had in your mind had you not chosen to be carried about by various and strange doctrines. Then he says in verse 10, the more challenging part of this section, he says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. That's interesting. This is a reference to the altar of sacrifice that at the time of this writing and to this particular audience still existed. The temple was still in Jerusalem. They were still going through all of the sacrifices, the daily sacrifices, the yearly sacrifices. You, you could say, proverbially, you could look over your back. You could see the incense. You could see the smoke rising. You could see the glorious temple that was high up on, on the mount, mountaintop there. And it was all there beckoning these Hebrew believers to go backwards. Why? Because they had lost everything. It's just something we haven't experienced. As much as we've lost, perhaps, as much as we paid the price for following Christ, we haven't paid to the price of losing. For a believer in the first century, this is what they dealt with. They, they lost their family, immediately ostracized from their family. They, they were placed outside of the community, which means they didn't have a place to live anymore. They didn't have a viable source of income anymore. They became mocked and ridiculed. They weren't at family dinners anymore. They didn't have their friends anymore. They lived basically with their new family, the family of Christ. But it was wearing on them, as any prolonged trial would. It wears on you. It breaks down your defenses. And then you begin to assess, maybe I can help the situation. I think it's a question so many of us have asked. Maybe I can help the situation. Maybe I can move it along. Sometimes it's asked in the context of, you know, I want life to be easier than it is right now. And I wonder what my options are, even if I have to justify some of my bad behavior so I can experience a little more comfort and ease. Wherever they are right now, we know that they were considering leaving Jesus Christ and going back to a system of religion in the direction of their lives. Perhaps 
gaining back that which they lost. And the whole letter was written, hey, don't go backwards. What you're looking for is not backwards. What you're looking for is already yours. It's already yours by faith in Jesus. He fulfilled it all. But he also puts a little statement in here, the altar of which we worship, the altar by which the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world was sacrificed on. That altar, he says, with the temple in the background, he says that we have an altar from those who serve the tabernacle. They have no right to eat. And what he's saying is those that are going through the motions in Judaism right now, having rejected their Messiah, they have no right to enjoy the privileges that you have in Christ Jesus. And he's basically saying again, you have it so much better than what they have. They have no right there. The only way to worship at this altar is by being born again and receiving Jesus. And so Paul's saying, look, don't go backwards. You're going back to something that's inferior. And I wonder how many here today are considering about going backwards, maybe going back to the bottle, maybe going back to your, the drugs that assuage your pain, or maybe going back to an old relationship that hurt you, but you're willing to try it again. I wonder how many of you are considering even going back to some formalized religion or maybe just going back and saying, Christianity doesn't work for me. Look, you're going backwards in life and it will bring great pain to you. You have what you've been looking for all along. It's already yours by faith. Grace establishing your life. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher and the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime of the day or night at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. Well, Pastor Ed, we've just released your new book, Face Your Fears. What prompted you to write this? You know, Larry, that's a great question. You know, thinking back on 2020 and 2021, with all that we faced together, the pandemic, the mandates, the difficulties, the government overreach, vaccines, the whole scene worldwide, globally, really beginning to funnel in the fulfillment of prophecy, it's troubled a lot of people. It's troubled a lot of people in our own church. It's troubled a lot of people in the church at large. And it's also troubled people outside of the church. And I wanted to not only teach a Bible study to our fellowship, speaking to this issue of fear, but also to put it in writing, even as we're heading into the Christmas season in a couple months, to give the gift of hope and encouragement through this little mini book. We call it Face Your Fears. And the essence of it is that God is with you in your fears. One of the things, too, that really, you know, angered me, I have to say, I guess I can use that word, it just really angered me to hear people making fun of those that are fearful. Uh, even, unfortunately, pastors, they'll make fun of people that are fearful, and, and then they'll say something like, well, you know, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love, and it's like almost like hurting someone that's already hurting. There's nothing wrong with the response of fear that comes into our lives with difficult times or even scary times. Yes, I, I go into the book where fear can be irrational. Yes, we can make bad decisions. Yes, um, we, we, the fear can lead to a lot of things. But it is true that the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And if you just change your tone a little bit and say, look, 
God hasn't given you a spirit. So what you're wrestling with right now isn't from the Lord. He's faithful. He's reliable. He's utterly dependable. And that's the essence of this book. I think it'll be good for you. I think it'll be good as a gift. It's small. It's easy to read. Uh, it is simple, but it's powerful in the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do it. So please do get face your fears. Uh, I know the Lord will use it in your life and in those that you love. To request a copy of Face Your Fears for a donation of $25 or more, visit our online store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. You can also call 877-30-GRACE. And please remember that your gifts help to make this program possible. We look to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in this ministry through either a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call us 877-30-GRACE. Well, that'll do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will again open the word in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.